Yo, I'm coming from that 3-6, so that's why I got them brains spinning. Ain't nobody using blinkers, we ain't good at lane switching. Better get a plane ticket, I ain't flying all you chickens, though. Always shoot my shot, better swishing off the pick and roll. Dishing off the give and go, all my squad is driven, so you can catch us on the road. Promise we ain't doing shows. Rip City, are you listening? I'm Christian Gamalin. I'm talking with co-host Austin Caphammer, and this is the Peeps and Plaid Podcast. We are joined by none other than Ryan Witty Whitledge from the Blazer Tag Podcast, our first ever three-time uh, guest. So welcome, Witty. Thanks for coming on. Yay! So does that do I get the belt in the mail, uh, Christian? Do you drive that to me? When do I when do I get the award? We certainly got to figure that out, but uh, it will be <laughs> forthcoming. So uh, I'll keep you posted. It's, it's uh, tax deferable. Oh, oh, nice. I, I had no knowledge of that, but uh, I'm all, all for us. Yeah, let's go. All right, so the Blazers are 25 and 31, ninth place in the West, now four games behind the Memphis Grizzlies after a disheartening back-to-back, um, losing to the Pelicans and then losing to the Grizzlies in a game where Damian Lillard went down with a groin injury. The All-Star break is a much-needed break for this depleted roster. The Blazers are running out um, every night with basically, you know, seven, eight, nine guys. Uh, so Damian Lillard, unfortunately, will not be taking part in the All-Star game due to his injury. Also not in the three-point contest. He's apparently going to be rapping. So hopefully uh, he does well there and doesn't aggravate his injury somehow. Uh, it's been two weeks since our last episode. The Blazers were doing well at the time thanks to Dame's insanity. Uh, that stretch continued through a win in Los Angeles uh, and a night that was devoted to Kobe. And a few more really good games from Dame. Gary Trent Jr. also did well. Trevor Ariza obviously was continuing to help out this team. Uh, But, you know, there was that crazy no-call on the goaltend from Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, it's been a crazy couple weeks. All right, back from technical difficulties. We'll get into uh, all of the talk about what has happened recently for the Blazers. But first off, the trade deadline has come and gone. Uh, I'm going to rant for a little bit. Let's go back to 2016. Neil Olshay signed some pretty big contracts back then. Uh, They were not necessarily great at the time. We didn't hate them as much then as we do now. But four years, $75 million for Alan Crabb. Four years, $70 million for Evan Turner. Four years, $42 million for Mo Harkless. And four years, $41 million for Myers Leonard. He praised this team that this would be the core around Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for the next four years. Uh, then after trading Alan Crabb for nothing, uh, this core had done nothing significant at the time, uh, at last year's trade deadline, he made a a decent trade for Rodney Hood, didn't make a big splash. Uh, he said that expiring contracts were all the rage at the trade, uh, trade deadline last year. So this year we expected now that you had expiring contracts that you would make a big splash. You know, at the, at the time we talked about Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, I will, uh, Take the blame there that I am glad that that did not happen, at least for Blake Griffin, because of his injury. Uh, But Neil Olshay turned all of this money in the 2016 contracts that could have helped Damian Lillard and the the Portland Trailblazers win a championship into one year of Trevor Ariza, bird rights to Hassan Whiteside, not even signed for next year. And not only that, but these deals cost the Blazers two second-round picks, and they'll be spending $2.8 million per year until 2024 in that Allen Crab trade. So I understand. This was a hard market for centers, okay? We look around the Andre Drummond trade, the Clint Capella trade. It wasn't an ideal trade scenario for the Blazers. Um, and I understand these are depreciating assets. You know, you, you got four 
four-year contracts, a lot of the the value in those was in those years that they spent playing for us. But what's what you had left to work with, you could have done more with, in my opinion. Uh, in the scope of Neil Olshay's term as GM, he's lost my trust as a fan completely. So this trade, li- uh, trade deadline wasn't like me on the fence leaning one way or the other. Oh, what's he going to do? Am I going to be a Neil start- Olshay fan? I'm I'm sorry to interrupt, Christian, but we should yeah. start that tread line. Tread line. That's the trade deadline. The, the tread line. I'm gonna get on the my tread line. And this watch is the, the tread, tread line of yes. 2020. It's been it's... rather uneventful for the Trailblazers. Oh. oh, he's he's here. Hey, hey! hey. Anyway. I, I took you guys. I took you out of my pocket. So there we go. Oh, love it. Well, welcome uh, to our eyes. We love this. Um. Anyway. So instead of being on the fence, leaning side to side, which way do I feel about Neil Olshay? I was already like sprinting in the other direction with like one ear turned back. Like, are you going to change my mind? And uh, he didn't just like straight up. It was, uh, it wasn't an easy market. Cool. I understand that. I, I, I don't really care. Like you screwed up the 2016 off season. You didn't capitalize on the deadline last year and you didn't capitalize on the deadline this year. And we're left with a bunch of ifs. Like if Hassan Whiteside signs this next year, then we have a good center. If Yusuf Nurkic and him decide to drop their egos and both play on the Portland Trail Blazers, then mm-hmm. it can all work out okay. Maybe the Blazers are pretty dang good and have two of the best centers in the league. Okay, Christian. But okay, I, keep talking. Like, talk maybe to there, there yeah. wasn't an easy answer at the deadline uh, for what to do with these contracts, but it seems like other teams have figured things out. Like the Hawks, uh, they turned Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, and a first-round pick into their starting center for the next four years. The Blazers turned Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, and two second-round picks into one more year of an effective but aging Trevor Ariza and $2.8 million of dead money for the next five years. So, yes, I'm personally upset with what Neil Olshay has done. Um, objectively, you know, we could argue this way, that way. But to me, like, you set yourself up for opportunities to do something with those 2016 contracts. To me, you got to at least go big or go home. Do something where you can at least say you tried. Like, I got LaMarcus Aldridge. I got... Uh, Robert Covington and Gorgie Dang, like there, there were ways to to at least have someone under contract where you at least give yourself another year to do something with Hassan. It's like he could just choose; he doesn't want to be here, and then you're just you know stuck with no cap space and nothing to do. Yeah. Um, so you know, I was not a fan of him trading away Scal for basically nothing. To me, that that's just losing depth depth for next season, so you can save a little bit of money this season. Um, like the only way that this trade line trade Treadline, come on Bring now. The tread, the we just line. talked about this. Trade deadline is okay, is if Neil like made it clear to Dame, these are the consequences if we don't trade Hassan Whiteside. We're there's a lot of what ifs going into next season, all that. And if Dame says, you know what, I want to run with it anyway. I want to see what we can do with this core. Uh, then I can understand that. That's cool. Do what Dame wants. But to me, Neil Olshay has tried to convince us for years that like a core of Dame and CJ will work together and will bring a championship. And clearly they're amazing together. And like last season, the Blazers are not getting out of the second round without CJ, that's for sure. Um, but I don't know. You can't really convince me that Dame and Jimmy Butler or Dame and Paul George wouldn't be better than Dame and CJ. Uh, and both of those players have been traded at least twice in the last three years. I was just so, I was just thinking about that the, uh, watching the game the other evening. I can't remember if it was um, if it was in Nolens or um, gosh, why am I spacing on that other recent game, Memphis? But I did just think to myself the other day that you know, is it is it enough in this um, 
NBA environment to have two stars the caliber of Dame and CJ. It's to yeah. your to your question. Not Dame, uh, of course, is is half that equation, but and CJ's great. Yeah. CJ would be CJ's. I mean, it, but he hasn't really improved over the last four years. I think uh, a lot of Blazers Twitter saw that graphic. I think someone had screenshotted Basketball Reference or something. But you know, to your point, I think in today's NBA, you have to have two superstars, not a superstar and a star. And CJ's a star, but he's not a superstar. So to to finish my rant, I'm not saying any of this is easy. Being a GM in the NBA is not an easy job. But to me, I look at it and I see other teams seem to be getting it done in ways that Neil just isn't. He's like over-promising, under-delivering, and giving us excuses every time and acting like it was the plan all the, all along. And, oh, the plan was Damon CJ. And, oh, we have Nurk. He's, he's the best trade in the world at the deadline. Uh, so, you know, to me, this trade deadline was not like a complete disaster. Like if you have Hassan next season, I, I could argue for a while why, that, why that's not going to work out with Nurk. But... Um, the trade deadline itself was not a complete disaster. It's just like the straw that broke the camel's back for me, where I'm I'm just done with Neil Olshay personally. So I think Dame is not set up lo- long-term for success, and his contract and CJ's contract are going to cripple Neil's ability to surround this team with championship-level talent. Yeah, it's too bad um, he didn't end up in New York, right? Uh, yeah, gosh, don't even get me started on the New York Knicks. Yeah. I'll, I'll take Neil Olshay over whatever the heck is going on over well, there. Be, sure. Well, I before before I uh, just jump in on this on this uh, pie of a discussion that we have in yeah, front of us. Yeah, you guys you guys are giving me a lot to unpack here. Jeez. Right. I'm, yeah. Now. Exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and pass the the fork and knife over to our guest, like a good host. Yeah. After this host spent ten minutes, I'm ready uh, for my face to get rid of embarrassment when you put me to shame. Okay, Woody, let's hear it and uh, give the people what they need. All right. Well, for one, wow. Uh, did Neil Olshay come and kick your puppy personally? Did he pay somebody to come and kick your puppy? Uh, <laughs> I am actually, of course, there's a level of disappointment with with seeing, you know, a billionaire dump a contract to save a couple million dollars. Us, us little... Lowly peasants down in the land don't necessarily sympathize with rich people trying to stay rich. So yes. there's there's that aspect of it. But I do believe that there is an aspect of overreacting that could have mm. been at play that we desperately avoided. And how I think the wrong move wasn't at this trade deadline. The wrong move was in the or was at the tail end of last season and flipping yeah. Turner's contract and flipping Myers and flipping Mo, because I do believe that a lot of GMs had the sense that, oh, these big expiring contracts will be easy to get rid of. And what we learned is that, no, big expiring contracts are not easy to get rid of. It's a hell of a lot easier to move your pieces around when they're little 10, 12, 14 million dollar players. Yeah. And th- those those trade chips are a lot easy to a lot easier to shuffle around the board than a big contract like Whiteside's. Yeah. Um, as, so I'm not necessarily disappointed that Whiteside didn't go. Um, and and, I, and you know what, Woody, I, I kind of, um, to chime in here, I kind of uh, almost like Olshay's, just by devil's advocate, I like his explanation, though, in, in that specific regard about Hassan. I like how he did that. Well, the guy's leading the league in blocks. And, blah, blah. and obviously, I know everyone who is a naysayer to, to keeping him 
talks about the financial situation and what's to come. But I think that at some level, you do have to realize, you know, Nurk still has a calf strain. This guy is leading the league in blocks, like, at some, yeah. at, at, at some level. So, so, so I had to interrupt and, and just say that I did appreciate that reasoning by Mr. Olshay, but a lot of other things I would say I'm not too satisfied about. But continue, you're, my you're, you're good. And then another thing, too, um, talking about Whiteside and Nurk, um, being on the same team and playing together next year, there's zero, there's not a universe anywhere in existence in which Hassan Whiteside and Yusuf Nurkic will take the court together and play together a la Twin Towers style. Yeah. And where I look at it is, okay, we have his bird rights. And I think also this trade deadline kind of proved a little bit that there's not much of a market. Like Andre Drummond, that was, you know, uh, I don't think that's like the proof that, oh, hey, look, you can trade anybody. Mm-hmm. But... There wasn't a market for Whiteside, and there weren't people who were in a rush to get him. And so if he's hoping to go into this offseason and get some big, you know, $100 million contract again, he's going to be sorely mistaken because that's yeah. just – that's not going to happen. And I can and so see also – I, I can see also why Detroit wouldn't have wanted him because if they were trying to move away from that traditional center look – Maybe they were just like, we don't want any part of this. So just just had to throw that little nugget in there, too. Because you were saying that the, the the question of the trade anybody, anybody can be traded right now type idea is, 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 is fooey. I think that you're accurate in, in saying that because there is a lot, are a lot more dynamics at play than just simply finances. And if a player's good, it's also what a team wants, too. Yeah, and then this, you know, uh, when you're talking about having the cap space available for, you know, free agents or whatnot, this isn't this isn't a sexy draft that's coming up. It's not a sexy free agent class. Um, and so when you're going to look at trying to find more center depth behind Nurk for next year, if you can get Hassan to come back, like regardless if he wants to play on the bench or whatnot, I don't think, as we were just saying, his style is very, you know, he's not going to find a starting role in a lot of teams. Hell, we're seeing mm-hmm. the Rockets that are, you know, they don't even like guys that are six ten now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I, I'm just saying, like, if you can get him back for for a low price, I th- I think that's worth it. Give him like a two year deal or whatever, and and I, I think that works out in the end. Um, as far as Neil not making big splashy moves, I I I think that there's a lot of. For lack of a better term, there's a lot of fans that just are like, oh, well, why couldn't we have Paul George? Oh, why couldn't we have this guy? Why could-? I, and it's not that easy. I mean, like, think about it this way. If there was, a like, an awesome trade to be had with the Pacers and there's every mathematical reason to make it work, it wouldn't happen. Kevin Pritchard does not deal with the Blazers. He does mm-hmm. not trade with them. He does not get involved with them. So there are relationships in the league. You know, yeah. and you're like, oh, well, there's 29 other teams he can call. Probably not. There's maybe only like 12 that answer the phone for him based off relationships. Mm. Yeah. So. So Neil needs better relationships with his uh, cohorts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that it's <laughs> also, you know, you know, there's also agents to, you know, cater to yeah. and, and play to for future relationships. Yeah. So, and I don't like the fact that you him and Hod over that Rodney Hood trade last year. I freaking love it. <laughs> No, I'm yeah. one of those. I, I'm one of those rare people who stands by the fact that I think Dame, CJ, Hood, Collins, and Nurk are pretty damn good starting five. Yeah. And there's every indication that Ariz is going to be back next year. You want to plug him in while you wait for Hood and then decide who's going to start after that. That's freaking great. I, I think, think even if they're... you make a run with that lineup, though. I think even if you make a run with that lineup, though. Um... 
you would need like a LA Clippers of last year's bench performance for a true championship run with that yeah. starting five. I don't I don't disagree that that's that's pretty damn good, but for for what our aspirations were going into this year, I think they still needed a little bit more. Oh yeah, no. The, the I think that's what everyone shot, expected, though, too, right? Well, I mean, the team shot themselves in the foot. Everybody was coming out of the organization saying, "This is our year. It's a down year for the Warriors." Yeah. We all bought that bill of goods, hook, line, and sinker, and yeah. injuries and 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 circumstances and all that. And I'm not just saying just injuries, but circumstances and everything. People playing out of position, playing more minutes. You know, yeah. it all it all just kind of sent it down the drain. But now we're seeing guys like Gary Trent that are that are starting to step up into their roles and get more of those minutes that maybe they wouldn't have gotten had the season stayed on track. And so that kind of lends itself to um, the benefit for next season. I mean, like we were all trying to hang our hats on Anthony Simons as the next coming, but now we're seeing Gary Trent step up and and Simons doesn't have necessarily that pressure. Maybe he can develop a little more in his own space. So I don't know. It's, it's not, the world is not on fire as far as I know, but it is is now that it is now that Dame's out for two weeks. Well, this, it's a great time. It's it's a one to two week thing. Um, You know, Steph missed 11 games when he dealt with this injury last year. Um, Blazers don't play again for eight days. I'm going to say it's, they'll probably, Dame will try to rush it back. I'm going to say he'll probably miss the first two games after the all-star break. That's That's just my guess. I know they had a full eight days too. Yep, they don't play again until next Friday. So they they had eight days pretty much. So and at this point in time, I don't think with Nurk having his little calf issue, if we see him before the month of March, I think that that that'll be pie in the sky kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. well, but other than that, Shin, you're horribly wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, taking it easy on me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think we agree that in the last season or so, that's where he really messed himself up, where, you know, trading us on this trade deadline, it wasn't the end of the world, but it's like, to me, it was, all right, you didn't show me what I wanted to see the last couple seasons, so let's see if you can make up for it, and it just, to me, it didn't happen, but I, I will say with the Rodney Hood trade, um, I did kind of hum and ha on it, at it, but uh, I've been big on Rodney Hood since he came out of college, and I was actually really disappointed in that season because he started off the season without Gordon Hayward on the jazz. So it was like, all right, Rodney Hood's going to be like the main scorer. Like obviously they have Rudy Gobert, but um, so I was really high on Rodney Hood and then he got traded to the Cavs and I was like, all right, maybe it'll, it'll work where he's not the main scorer and he has LeBron James leading him one of the best leaders in the NBA. So maybe that'll work out. And then that didn't work out. And then the next season when LeBron's gone, he again, wasn't doing very well as the leading scorer. So I was, I had kind of lost a bit of faith in Rodney Hood. Um, I still thought he was an improvement over, uh, what was it, um, Nick Stauskas and uh, Wade Baldwin. Did you guys see that Nick Stauskas uh, either got dropped or or something like that? He's not even playing overseas anymore. Dang, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, his contract didn't get picked up, but but also to kind of go along with like that Rodney Hood talk or whatnot. I I think you know for as long as. All of us Blazer fans have been crapping on the whole like, oh, look, you know, we have continuity and we can do anything with continuity. Uh, this season is the absolute proof that, hey, continuity can bring out the better of the 
can be better for the team than necessarily individual performances. So that's kind of where I also am like hanging my hat on that the starting five, as it's looking like for next year can be better because that is a, that is a group with better continuity than any of the, what are we up to 15 different starting lineups we've rolled out here so far this year. Yeah. So totally like like that's my big takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, you know, the sum of the parts is better than, you know, what they are individually. So, because like right now, especially now, um, you know, Dame, CJ, uh, Whiteside to a degree, and Mello, uh, you have four fifths of a starting lineup that is all ISO ball heavy dominant players. So, of course, there's not going to be ball movement, not going to be high assist, but this is also not the kind of the same team that we're going to run out here next year. So, yeah. Do you want uh, the Blazers to try to get Carmelo back next season? I wouldn't mind it. Because yeah. uh, I, I, I don't, I think. I think Mello is at this point in his career would be, or I don't think he's hurting for money. You could fit yeah. him into a, like a taxpayer mid-level, you know, a little two-year deal. I expect Ariza to be back because, you know, it's the only thing that makes financial sense. The only way oh. that I can see him not being back is if they or you know, they pick up his option and then trade him. I, but I'm not sure on the cap rules for that. I have to talk yeah. to, you know, Eric or, hey, both cap guys I know are named Eric now. <laughs> But yeah, so I, I wouldn't mind trying to get Mello back. And by the way, if you had asked me that mm, eight months ago, if that's those words would ever come out of my mouth, I would tell you <laughs> that you are flat out wrong. And Seriously. I would have to be extremely, extremely drunk or high to utter those words. Yeah, I, I've been a fan of, of Mello as a blazer. I've had plenty of, you know, being disappointed by certain decisions he makes in ISO situations. But, um, you know, he's going to be a ball stopper sometimes. He's going to have some uh he's playing a different he's playing a different brand of basketball i he's playing cj's brand he's playing he's he's playing no i'm talking about what he's doing on the on the offensive boards i'm talking about just like the passion that it looks like he's playing with and these veteran teams that he's bounced around on and i think that when you have depleted teams and hopeless situations like we've seen the past two games late in games he does settle for those kind of less than satisfying looks and but when we're on and you know we have a couple more guys healthy and the ball's moving i think that uh he's absolutely someone that to to both of your point uh is someone that we probably want to bring back especially at a good value yeah well i mean and and that's one of the things too is like when you're when you're the hot shit when you when you have a name like Carmelo Anthony and you know it yours don't stink for as long as it did the best thing that could have happened was that year of slice of humble pie and so you know when he ta- now yeah. when he talks about having respect for the game and love of the game and that's why he stayed in shape and and, and tried to stay game ready as much as he could not knowing what his future was going to be i think now we're seeing that translate into his play and like Last night, what did he end up shooting? Like 1 of 14, 1 of 15 or something like that over over the course of the game? And those are kind of things. That's what I was expecting him to shoot and to Mm -hmm. bring coming into the season. But the fact that last night is an anomaly and not the norm. And just FYI to everybody, last night was uh, the 12th of February against the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, rough. (laughs) Date that will hopefully not live in infamy. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I actually I actually think that dropping that Pelicans game is going to be more damaging in the long run than than the Memphis game because that just gave the if if the Blazers are going to attempt to limp into the playoffs because Dame only knows how to 
go for greatness. You know, <laughs> the, the Pelicans now own the season series on us. At least with Memphis, yeah. if we win the next two, we own it on them. So if, I thought, if don't, don't we have one more game against the Pelicans? Isn't that I thought Yeah, but it was but it was a four game series and they won the Oh game, I, okay, won, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the best we could have done is if we had won this last one is we could have went for a split. Yeah. Dang. That's rough. Um yeah. So speaking of winning this last one, which we did not, um the recent stretch of games. The Blazers played the Lakers. It was um basically the, the memorial for Kobe Bryant. It was a very emotional night for People watching, people playing, that's for sure. Um, so Damian Lillard was the star of the show in that game. I mean, Le- LeBron James was giving it his all, and at the start of the games, he had some emphatic dunks, but um, it was just... What's all, this, what's all this controversy surrounding Rachel Nichols regarding her comments about uh, Damian Lillard, first of all, being the guy to be a villain in L.A., and then secondly, something about LeBron having uh, having a kind of a pass because of the evening's uh, occur- uh, occasion. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't read too much into that. It's, it's just you know, Rachel Nichols just saying, "Hey, like everyone in on Earth is watching this to watch LeBron, you know, show up yeah. for Kobe, and you know, you you just I wasn't." <laughs> exactly. It's like, you just took a crap on that, so uh, how do you feel about it, Dame? And it's like, no, like, we play basketball to win basketball games. Like, okay. that would, yeah, yeah. That, that's not honoring, you know, Kobe to, like, take a night off so that LeBron yeah. can just, like, stomp on you. Yeah, um, got it. Got well, it. That, that, that's a, it's a weird game going into it. I mean, we, right before uh, Jamie Hudson got on the plane, we, we sat down and talked to her uh, and was like, how do you even prepare to cover for a game like that? And, you know, what was the mentality of the players going into that game? Because, like, yeah, you know, all eyes are on you. All eyes are on, you know, this this memoriam, basically, or this celebration yeah. of life, as LeBron called it, for Kobe. And how do you how do you – deal with that like do you want to go in and and for lack of a better term crush laker fan souls per se by <laughs> by winning that game and and she had said that the the feeling she was getting from every or every player in that locker room was that you go out and you play to honor kobe's memory by having mamba mentality totally and so i mean there was i think it would have been way more disrespectful for anybody on any side of you know no matter the jersey to come in there and just try to lay down to to give something to someone you know if if it was supposed to be lebron's moment well that's lebron's job to take the moment totally totally and and he did he did at the start you know he was having some good dunks some good passes but it it just was very slow and sloppy at the start of the game which is totally understandable especially like with you know they did their warm-ups and then it was probably 45 minutes until the game actually started with with all the different videos and tributes um, so it was just definitely a unique game, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so, I mean, and if you if you want to go for honoring and you want to go for legacy, Dame dropped, what, 45 and 10 that night? The last player to drop 45 and 10 in Staples Center was Kobe back in, like, 2012, I want to say. So are you, in like a bur- are you in, like, a Burger King or something right now, Woody? Uh, I'm, I'm stopping off for, uh, for beer before I record my podcast. I got Brandon next to me, and I owe him for a beer bet, so. Oh, well, there nice. you go. Sick. We'll we'll say Sorry, hi to Brandon for us. Uh, hi, I will. Brandon. Right, right now he's sitting here, uh, just you know, mulling over his beer options. So, what's, what, what's he thinking? Ask him what he's thinking tonight for his options. Well, he always goes with fresh squeezed, but um, apparently that's hard to find in some local gas stations. Dish, so. Oh, Deschutes, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's decent. So, 
So yeah, so oh wait, they do have a fresh squeeze right there. Let's see if he notices. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, what? Christian, so, how much how much more did we want to cover uh, this evening? Well, in the in the eight games the Blazers played, the Blazers went four and four, which is a, is a little disappointing considering the positive stretch they had when Dame was just going straight up inferno. Uh, so they they beat the Lakers, they beat the Jazz uh, in Moda Center. That was a that was a fun game. I was at that game. That was a blast. Uh, then they lost to the Nuggets, which was really disheartening because it's like. For me, I was talking about trade deadline stuff. Like the only way that you don't trade Hassan Whiteside is if you win all three games. And the Blazers won the first two, which I did not expect. And then they just got crushed by the Nuggets. And I was like, well, I'm on the trade Hassan Whiteside train. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Blazers then beat the Spurs uh, in. Ooh, what what did I remember about that game? It's been a while. That was a that was a really fun game to be at too. Shoot, I don't even remember. I'm a <laughs> I'm gonna check that out. Anyway, after that. The very rough game, Blazers, Jazz, just ridiculous. The no calls throughout the game and the no call on the very last possession. Um, uh, man, no goaltend on Rudy Gobert was just ridiculous. I will yeah, say that was terrible. Dame's Dame's been much more vocal though. He's been getting teed up, and Stotts kind of led the train on that at the beginning of the season, but now uh, Dame's just not really putting up with it. I was, I was. And you guys are, so, you guys are also missing the Anthony Simons, the concussion for him. Yes, that game was just wild altogether because that happened. Uh, Anthony Simons got like kicked his legs out from under him by Royce O'Neal, and then uh, Trevor Ariza, on a no call, just lost his mind at the ref, which you know was not ideal for the Blazers because he got ejected. But it was uh, kind of fun to see him get that intense. But the Blazers were running with seven players for the rest of the game. So that was a that was a rough one and very fun to watch until the last 20 seconds of the game. My, uh, my, my hot take for that is uh, I don't think it was a dirty play by Royce O'Neal. Yeah, I've, it, I've, I've, I've gone back and watched the replays. He, you know, he slid his leg out, yes, but same point in time, he wasn't like looking at Anthony, didn't wasn't paying attention to where he was landing. Had his back kind of to him, and I. But I can yeah. see how, in the heat of the moment, guys are going to be like, "What the f?" Yeah, and yeah. and it's a it's a tough angle too. And there there was in the Blazers Heat game, uh, there was a similar thing with I think it was Goran Dragic shooting a three toward the end of the half or something like that, and Dame fouled him, and they challenged it, and then brought it back, said it wasn't a foul. To me, it kind of looked like it still could have been a foul. Um, it was a foul. They ruled it a foul. They they ruled it okay. an offensive foul on Drogic. So what it was is Dame, That's came right. That's right. Dame came off and got the clean block, and Drogic did the Harden thing of kicking his leg out, mm-hmm. which caused them both to fall. And so Stotts, I believe, challenged that. Yes. And that's, that's right. and that's what brought it back. And so they reviewed it. And in that review, they're like, nope. It was clean block for Dame, and the only reason there was contact is because the offensive player initiated it. So seeing as that um, the Heat were over the limit, that sent Dame to the line. Yeah. By the way, did you see uh, when Gary Trent had an offensive foul while shooting a three? He literally pulls the guy to the ground. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. He was try- yeah, he was trying to give him a hug. It's fine. That was crazy. I was like, what are you doing, dude? Oh my gosh. that was Lamar, like- Lamar and Kevin didn't even bother to uh, cover that up. Lamar was like, yeah, he grabbed him. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching, and I'm like, why are they calling a foul? And then I see the replay, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what is going through your mind there? Uh, that's crazy. But Gary Trent has showed up. But, you know, the last couple games, he's he's kind of cooled down a bit. But 
Gary Trent was on a tear. That's one thing from that Spurs game. Gary Trent was killing it. Um, him and Ariza. Six to seven from three, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, and the team it was. I think it was like at the half they had like fifteen three pointers made. It was very impressive three point showing from the team and especially from Gary Trent. And uh, it was it was cool to see in the um, in the Heat game. Trevor Ariza showed up like after he gets kicked out in the first quarter of the Jazz game. In the game against the Heat, he had, I think, oh, shoot. He had, like, 15 points in the first quarter. I was like, oh, he's on pace for 60. Um, so that was that was wild. Ariza, like, had the first eight points for the Blazers. It was very fun to watch and uh, glad the Blazers got the win, even though Jimmy Butler wasn't playing. It was, you know, obviously you got to get that win. Here's a here's a fun social experiment that that I like to uh, bring up from time to time. So uh, say that Trevor Ariza was playing or was was here this entire season over Kent Bazemore. How much better do you think that the Blazers' record would be? Because Ariza's playing with that same kind of energy. He's cutting, you know, he's he's making the shots that we all watch Bazemore just break. And so this kind of like where when I'll see a lot of people have some pushback on stats for like you know lack of ball movement or or stuff like that. I'm and, like, and oh, I'll even take that a step for, I'll even take that a step farther and say what if what if you had uh not only uh Ariza in the mix from the get-go but also Nas in a uh kind of a higher profile role like we'd seen at times just yeah just in, you mean instead, instead, instead of play Hazonia and whatever why I say it Christian is because I thought to myself well you still have Hazonia getting minutes too and that guy was eating up bad shots but I thought to myself well if you subbed in Nas more and then you had Ariza I'd say I'd say at least five five or seven of those games could have been you know one in my opinion. So there's one of two situations that stick out in my mind on why Mario Hazonia is getting the minutes that he's getting. One, there's either some I'd, I'd have to look up who his agent is and, mm-hmm. and find out. But there's either some sort of handshake agent agreement where Neil O'Shea, when he signed him, he's he's pretty much stuck at the stats and is like, I'm sorry, you gotta play him. We need this relationship, that kind of you know backdoor dealing that you know fans don't yeah. hear a lot about. Or Mario Hazonia has has like a PP tape of stats. It's one of those two. It's the only things that make sense. Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, w- I was saying before, I was like, I don't know if Stotts legitimately doesn't see how much better Nasir Little is than uh, than Mario Hazonia, or if Nasir Little has some hidden, you know, attitude problem that the fans don't see. And I, I don't know which would be worse of the two. Like, Nasir Little should absolutely be playing more than Har- Mario Hazonia. And... Uh, Austin was talking before about waving him, and I was like, I mean, yes, on the one hand, but also, like, the fact that he's a body with how depleted this team is, like, I'll take anyone to, to go out on the court for a little bit and not, like, take allow too many points so that someone can yeah. get a break. And and that's one one thing I wanted in that Jazz game. I, they didn't have Swanigan or Wenyan Gabriel in for the longest time. They played Dame and CJ for the entire second half of that Jazz game. And I personally, I was taking offense to it because, I don't know, I was at the, the game where Nurk got injured. I was at the game where uh, Rodney Hood got injured. And so I think in my mind, I'm just like, man, you got to like look ahead and be like, is this worth risking injury for these guys? So for me, I was like, you got to give these guys, even if it's just a couple minutes of a break, like they, they might even perform better because CJ was missing a lot of shots in the in the fourth quarter of that game too. Um so that's just just one little nugget there where it's like, yeah, like having those extra bodies 
is helpful regardless. Um, if everyone on your team is injured or waived because they suck, then uh, you know Damon CJ can't carry this team to wins. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, what do we um, have to and- look forward to here? <laughs> Nothing. The world is ending. The All Star <laughs> break without Damian Lillard. Is everybody uh, watching the XFL? No. <laughs> I'm I'm honestly trying to. I'm, I'm all on the Seattle Dragons train. Apparently, analysts say they're going to be the worst team in the league, but I think it's going to be fun. I uh, haven't been able to watch last week or this weekend upcoming. I won't be able to, but hopefully, I'll get to watch some after that. Well, last nice. week they got their butt handed to them, and that's about as much XFL as I'm going to take in. <laughs> they just need to get some bigger names in there. Like even if it's like Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow, like just get a name and then people are gonna watch, you know. Yeah. Um maybe not with uh fervent uh admiration, but uh they maybe they'll enjoy it. But upcoming after the all-star break, Blazers Pelicans uh hopefully be able to stop Zion from scoring a career high again. Um that's Friday the 21st, so eight days from now, as Woody was saying. And then Pistons Trailblazers <laughs> is the 23rd, then Celtics, then Pacers, Hawks, Magic. Ooh, Wizards, Suns, Kings, Suns after that. So it's not a tough stretch, really. It's it's Celtics and Pacers are going to be hard. Pelicans are for sure going to be hard. Hawks are going to try to prove something. But, you know, these next 10 games, the Blazers could definitely win at least six or seven you you i mean if you can win eight or nine then you're in good shape going into the playoff uh, push but how are you guys feeling feel good about it they will be back uh we'll probably <laughs> drop another recording here probably not next week before the next game but following the all-star break and a series of a couple games i'm assuming um as for the outlook on games following that uh, i am hopeful i remain hopeful as you do christian and uh, think that Dame's uh, injury hopefully shouldn't take him out very long. Yeah. So I'm, I'm on the I'm on the mark. Well, I'm I'm on the marker, and I kind of want to ask you guys this. You know, you're talking about getting more rest for Dame, and you know, not having him play. I think what him and CJ are still again in the top three in minutes played and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you're having this depleted roster, you know, do you want Dame to carry him into the playoffs and and have him limp in as an eight seed? And I I don't think that they'll get swept and just get absolutely boat raced in the playoffs if they match yeah. up with the Lakers. I think that they've played them well so far this year. I don't think that they'd win coming out of that series, yeah. but. I don't know. It, it's it's hard for me. Like last night when Dame went down, uh, I blew up my text thread of just a bunch of emojis of, uh, and gifts of uh, tanks uh, yeah. roaming the streets <laughs> and, and t- tiny kitties driving tanks and all that stuff. Yeah. But I also understand that that's not the mentality that Dame has. And if Dame is healthy, he's going to play, um, you know, to touch back on where you were saying that he played like that entire second half. Well, that's probably because Dame was like, I'm playing because you need me to play. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. And obviously with your star player, with your franchise player, Stotts can say all he wants. Like, I need you to sit. And it's almost, you know, I'm going to go tell mom and dad that you're not letting me play. Kind of, you know, those (laughs) things. Because all it takes is one phone call to Jody Allen from Dame saying, hey, Stotts is trying to sit me and I'm not about that before Jody's like, "Uh, I guess maybe make him play. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So. And there's, and there's one little thing that I'm, I'm surprised you guys didn't touch on when you were talking about being short of bodies. I saw a lot of uh, the infamous Blazers Twitter throwing a fit about the fact that Jalen Horton and Moses Brown hadn't been called up yet. Yeah. Uh, they, when you're hurting for bodies. Yeah. You guys are aware of what the reason was for that, though, right? They have a uh, little, little under two weeks left on their contracts. Yeah, because it's so, 45 uh, days total. What is it? Mm-hmm. 45 games total. 
Yep, 40, 45, no, it's 45 days of team activity. Practices, yeah. count, practices count in game activity. Travel totally. days count in game activity. So you take all that into account, and yeah, they probably could have used them right then and there, but you know, it's kind of weighing your options of do we eventually want to pick up the full contracts, you know, when these guys aren't necessarily ready. Yes, they're yeah. a warm body, but or like how do we want to use them? If they do view it as that they'll make it into the playoffs, it's a little more financially smart for them to wait until the absolute deadline to be like, yeah, let's sign these guys, or if they want to pick somebody up off the waiver wire. So yeah. if you bring them up too early to kind of fill in, you 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 kind of pigeonhole yourself in like this is the route we're going, and we're probably going to have to kiss them goodbye. Mm. Yeah. Well, on that note, I suppose we should be kissing our audience goodbye as well, Mr. <laughs> Ryan Woody Whitledge. Um, we are uh, attempting to keep our, our episode between about 30 and 45 minutes. So, oh, God. Uh, God bless your souls. My co-host would love you. They try to rope me into that all the time, and I tell them, F no. <laughs> you, and, you and Christian can have a marathon special. Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, uh, Man, if I could – if uh, Christian, we'll have to get together and roll out like a giant Bill Simmons two-parter like where each of us is two and a half hours or something. Oh, yes, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm yes. sure. All right, well, everybody, uh, give us a follow on uh, Twitter at Peeps and Plaid. Uh, as well as Spotify, uh, go check that out, five stars, and uh, Apple, blah, 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 blahs, and Instagram, Peeps and Plaid, and then I'm going to allow Mr. Ryan Woody Whitledge to plug his show, that way we make sure we get everything right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm uh, the Blazer Tag podcast, the the most drunk podcast, Blazer podcast there is on the planet. We yeah! Uh, we enjoy some libations and, and either complain or, or celebrate together. Um, you can follow the show's Twitter page uh, at BlazerTagPDX if you want to find my basketball takes. If you want to uh, get some hot takes on below deck uh, yachting life and uh, some real housewives and some Vanderpump rules, you can follow me personally at the Witty Ryan on Twitter. Any bachelor? Uh, yes, but I am trying to convince the wife that she needs to turn this season off because it's absolutely horrible. Uh, you guys should yeah. start a podcast. As soon oh. as soon as Vic, as soon as Victoria P left, I was out, and I can't stand Peter. He is he smiles and laughs way too much. Oh, oh, totally. Yeah, we we could talk uh, about this for a while. Um, anyway, yeah, to <laughs> right. totally. Like, huge thanks for coming on uh, through technical difficulties and on short notice and all that. Uh, thanks for coming on, Ryan. Really appreciate you coming on for a third time now. Um, always a blast talking to you. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Later, guys. We'll